Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to Sermons with Rabbi David Seth Kirchner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. did an exercise a few years ago on the high holidays that I want to remind people of who uh, will have their memories stoked, and if you weren't here, the exercise is still applicable. I want you to take a moment of time, and I want to ask you a question. The question stems from a movie. The movie is Dances with Wolves. In that movie, you'll remember that Native Americans have the custom of not naming people direct names, but naming them for traits, attributes, or values. So my question to all of you, and we'll give you a second to do this, is think of what your Native American name would be. Does everyone understand the question? If Dances with Wolves was his name, Kevin Costner in that movie, or Stands with a Fist was his wife's name, what would your Native American name be? Take a second. Okay, does everyone have one for themselves? No? Okay, do you need more time? It's your time, it's just... Does anyone have a name that uh, is um, they're comfortable sharing? That's appropriate to be shared in Temple? Anyone? Yes, Steve Lehman. Bald with glasses, okay. Anyone else? Yes. I love dogs more than humans, okay? Anyone else? Yes. Dancing with phone, very good. I like that. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. Very good. Okay, in the movie, you know that it's a little different. And when Dory and I and the kids went cross country last year, we stopped at a place in South Dakota, it was about two and a half hours before Mount Rushmore. And it was the entire set, or almost the entire set of the movie, Dances with Wolves, was filmed right there off of this highway. And we saw some of the original sets and much of the background on Native American people there. And here's the interesting thing that you need to be reminded of. When you are Native American and your name is bestowed upon you, you do not choose your name. Stands with a fist was given her name by her tribal community. Dances with Wolves was given his name by his tribal community. Kicking Bird was giving his, given his name by his tribal community. So now here's the question I pose to you. The question I pose to you is, if your community, starting with your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, employees, bosses, friends, and family are going to bestow upon you your Native American name, what is it going to be? And furthermore, is it going to be as flattering 
as derogatory, as reflective, as inspirational, as the name you gave yourself. That is the ultimate question to be asked. Will the name that others give us be the same name we would give ourselves? Now, as a rabbi, occasionally this happens. I'd say once every six months I get this phone call where someone in the community, someone in the congregation is getting on in years and they come and meet me and they want to talk to me and I ask them what prompted this conversation and they say to me, you're going to bury me one day. This, This happens, believe it or not. And when that happens, people want to share parts of their life with you through rose-colored lenses. I have a member of my family who even said, I've written a eulogy that I want you to read when I die. There are people who do that. Now, why would someone do that? Because they want to make sure that the story that you tell is a story that they're remembered for. But I'm going to tell you something really interesting that's in the Talmud. The Talmud specifically tells us that you can't do that. You cannot write your own eulogy. You can't write your own obituary. Others have to do it for you. Because when we write it, it's no different than us bestowing a Native American name on somebody. It's the legacy that you leave. And that is what matters, not how you see yourself, but how others see you. And there is something more than poetic in the notion that it is us, the living, that not only eulogizes the deceased, but also writes the epithet that will go on their memorial marker. It is us that does that. I share all of this with you for two reasons. Both timeline. One is because in the parasha that we read today, Moses gives us his swan song. He says goodbye to everybody and tells everyone the values and traditions and morals he wants them to keep. That's fine. There's nothing that is forbidden on that front in Judaism. But the question then becomes, how will B'nai Israel, how will the Israelites, who now will be led by Joshua, and shortly after will cross into Israel, how will they think of Moses, not what Moses thought of himself, his journey, or the people? That will be the question. And there's one thing that leads to that answer, and that is the way you lead your life. There's a simple word we all use for it, called a legacy. What will be our legacy? second reason I bring this up, because like you, I feel that the level of toxicity in the orbit around this electoral process has gotten to the point where it is poisoning anyone who spends too much time reading, watching, or looking at it. Sadly, I am one of those people who spends way too much time reading, looking, and watching about it. And what I fear about, let me me rephrase that. I fear many things about this electoral process 
and its outcomes. But in the best case scenario, where November 9th will come, that's a Wednesday, the election will be over, we will decide a winner and a loser, and we can return the channel to all the other things that happen in the world. What I worry about the most is the legacy we lead from these candidates, both of them. I'm not gonna use this pulpit to tell you who I endorse, who I don't endorse, what I believe in, what I don't believe in. All of it, the entire process, mainly driven by the media, but on both sides, has fed us like hungry fish. Anyone here ever own fish? Fish will eat even when they're not hungry. And many fish will kill themselves from overeating. And we have become like fish, where the media continues to throw us very tasty food every single day, and we keep eating. And what I worry about is the legacy that it leads to the families of the candidates, to those that are working with them, how it already taints us inherently and in knowing who is connected to them one to the next. And I worry about the legacy it leaves our kids for the electoral process and what leadership looks like because it's not supposed to look like this. It's not supposed to smell like this. It's not supposed to taste like this. There are some people in the world that lead instinctively and naturally. But you tell me how you find any of those leaders who can watch what we've watched over the last 18 months and feel that they wanna step on the bima. They wanna be on the podium. They wanna roll on the dais to lead when we have subjected every single one of these people to a matter of scrubbing and scrutiny that we wouldn't any other human being. Now, don't, don't misunderstand my words. There are things that have happened, especially in the last week or two, that are beyond reprehensible and repulsive. It's a sad state of affairs when I have to turn the television set off from the evening news so that my nine and 12-year-old don't hear the words that are being repeated. We're all aware of that. This is not the focal point of what I try to share. What I am trying to share with everyone is how we've lost an opportunity to capture meaningful legacy in this process. That the legacy of the electoral process, which was the beauty and brilliance of democracy, that was open for the people, by the people, of the people, for all of us to step up to a plate, has been poison to the point where people are afraid to inherit the democratic legacy that is the United States of America. And why? For the very same reason that people might give themselves a particular name, but would be called differently by others in the community. Because the legacy we think of leading and the legacy others see us for has a giant divide between it. And our role is to bridge that divide. Our job is to ensure that it doesn't happen. I think a lesson like this is even more timely on this Shabbat, not only because it ties into what's happening in the electoral process, not only because it matches what happens with Moses, but if we did our jobs properly as a synagogue and as clergy people, you sat in these rows in the last two weeks and thought seriously about the person you want to be, about things you want to change. But now's the time that matters much more. 
And the way to calibrate that is by asking yourself the following two questions. What would others call me? And what will my legacy be? If we stopped today and thought about this process, I wonder how many of us would reset the coordinates to put us on a different path. Rabbi Friedman spoke beautifully last night about Bob Dylan, who earned a Nobel Prize in literature. Does anyone here know the story of Alfred Nobel? How this prize came to be in the first place? There are people who mistakenly believe that Alfred Nobel died when he didn't die. And Alfred Nobel had one of the most incredible gifts in the world given that we could only dream of. And that is, he read his own obituary. And in his obituary, he read how he was responsible, which is true, for inventing TNT, dynamite. And the role that dynamite had in so many wars and skirmishes and fighting and how many people had died as a role of dynamite. And Alfred Nobel stopped and scratched his head as he read his obituary when someone falsely proclaimed him to be dead when he had yet to die. And he said, this is what I'm gonna be remembered for? I'm gonna be remembered for weaponry and warfare and death? What a horrible legacy to leave to the world. Because he had the most incredible gift that we could ever dream of, of reading your own obituary. So at that time, he established what would become the Nobel Prize. He put all of his money into the Nobel Prize so it would continue to give off funds and it got increased with time and invested well. But you see now, as a result, the great honor and pride in receiving the Nobel Prize. Why? Because the inventor of dynamite wanted to be remembered for something more significant. If you were to read your own obituary, if you were to give yourself a name or others were to give you that name, what would it say? Or maybe a better question is, what do you want it to say? And if your life is not being led in a way that's demonstrative of what you want it to say, then this is the reminder, the week after Yom Kippur, to start leading your life in that direction. Because when you do, then you narrow that divide. And then, like Moses, you can have a sense of pride in the legacy that you will leave others to inherit.